Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. We're going to pray as is our custom. And remember that we're not just praying because it's a custom, but we're praying and asking the Lord to intervene on behalf of professionals. We're asking the Lord to move in your professional, the professional aspect of your life. You're one being, you're one integrated whole, but there are various aspects and tracks um, of our lives. And uh, on the professional track, we're asking the Lord to strengthen you, to build you up the more, and that whatever your uh, vocation is, that you will prosper in it to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, it is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we come not for form, not for fashion, but we come because we love you and because we love your people and we love your work. And we believe, oh God, that you have summoned us, called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. We believe, oh God, that this hour is the hour in which you will reveal your glory and you will reveal your manifestation to your people and through your people to those who don't know you. We pray, oh God, that you would let every professional under the sound of our voices be impacted. <clears throat> it be impacted by the teaching of the principles of your kingdom. Lord God, we pray that everyone will be uplifted and strengthened, illumined, we pray, Lord God, that whether they are at work, on their way to or from work, we pray, Lord God, that you will minister, that you will open the eyes of their understanding, that you will give them greater strategies, that you will enable them to plan and to plot out a course that will lead to greater appropriation of your victory that you've already provided. We pray for their families. We pray for their marriages. Those who are single, we pray for them. We pray for their children. We pray, Lord, that you would minister to them the more. And as they carry out their professional duties, we pray, Lord, that you will let all be well in the home and all be well in the personal relationships so that there will not be distraction and detraction from what it is that they are assigned to do. We give you thanks now. Supply every material need. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Supply every financial need. Supply all the capital, all the human resources, whatever they stand in need of in order to perfect the fulfillment of the call. Let it be granted to them. And Lord, for all of this, we will give you the glory, the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. All right. Um, this is February and uh, it is Black History Month, <clears throat> Creative Romance Month, Children's Dental Health Month, Weddings, National Weddings Month. And uh, as relates to the, the day, today is President's Day. Today is President's Day. And uh, tomorrow, George Washington's birthday, Be Humble Day, and International, International World Thinking Day. Those are the main observances for this week. Now, on the 26th, there is Carnival Day. And we talked about the people who are in entertainment and in humor, how <clears throat> that uh, humor is a gift of God. As with all the gifts of God, people can misappropriate them, misuse them, mishandle them. But in their purity, they they come from God. Then there's also Carpe Diem, Carpe Diem Day, uh, <clears throat> which is uh, Saturday. Carpe Diem is the uh, the phrase Latin, if I make no mistake. Uh, seize the day. Carpe Diem, seize the day. That is whatever it is that you have to do, do it now. Make make the time that you have count. That's uh, Carpe Diem. All right. I want to come back, though, to, <clears throat> to Carnival Day because, and also President's Day, Carnival Day because, again, humor is a gift of God. And as a matter of fact, if you are a leader, if you are a leader, um, you, you must, um, if you're going to be a healthy leader, you must embrace the power of humor and not only embrace the power of humor, but utilize it for your own uh, personal tranquility and balance to maintain perspective, particularly when things don't go as well as we would like. We have to have humor to balance it out <clears throat> so that it won't wear us out. Um, I mentioned this morning uh, that humor is a gift from God. When we look in nature, when we look at nature and find certain things delightful or entertaining, First Lady Hudgens, good to see you. Uh, Elder Long, Sister McCray, God bless you. Reverend Robinson. Um, that comes from God. All of that, I talked about the scampering of the squirrels and the the uh, activity of the birds. And sometimes you see those things and they just sort of, sort of tickle you. They sort of strike you as humorous. Well, that comes from God. He created all of these things. They, they come from him. That, that inclination to be lighthearted, that comes from God. Um, I was, uh, I was thinking th th this morning uh, later, not about, <clears throat> not about the gift of humor. What I was thinking about was um, as communicators, how there are humorous things um, that we do sometimes without thinking 
and it can, the humorous things that we do, they can sometimes uh, sort of take away from our communication. This is Scott and Dingle, good to see you. Sister Boyd and Sister Winston. Okay, um, sometimes um, our communication can be taken away from inadvertently. And as a result, there can be a little humor. And of course, you know, uh, many of you know that um, I'm an English uh, teacher, uh, not actively, but uh, secondary English was my forte. And um, I love language. I've always loved language, even before the whole teaching thing. And I was thinking about redundancy in, in language, redundancy in communication. Redundancy, to be redundant, redundant is an adjective that comes from the verb redound. Um, and, and, and the word redound there is in the scripture. Um, um, in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking about an overabundance. Um, I think the term in, in one translation is superabundance, but he used the term re, uh, redound, the verb redound. And we get the adjective redundant, that which redounds, that which is um, excessively abundant. And um, let, let me tell you how that came to me this morning. Uh, I was going outside to walk and, uh, you know, because I was tossed up between the treadmill walk or the outdoors walk. I much prefer the outdoors walk. However, with uh, some of these temperatures we've been having and the vacillation, fluctuation, not really sure, you know, what it's going to be like. And then I had looked at the temperature on the phone and uh, <laughs> Elder Fenwick, reading teacher, she she would be <clears throat> thinking about this redundancy. But anyway, I um, I said, I think I'm going to try outside this time. So I put on a warmer uh, 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 set of clothing and, and came out into the garage. And in the garage, it was it was pretty cold. And I said, I said to myself, and 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 I knew I was doing it. I, it was it was intentional. It was supposed to be kind of an inside joke. And I said to myself, Brother Blue, you may have made a bad mistake. <laughs> I said to myself, you have made intentionally, you may have made a bad mistake. But then I sort of laughed at the thought because because um when I hear people talk about bad mistakes and short midgets and tall giants, <clears throat> I find it a bit humorous because it's redundant, right? Um, if anybody tells you you made a bad mistake, um, uh, <laughs> see, what I, what I was saying to myself was, you out here in this cold, <laughs> but but I use the redundant, Minister Colvin, see, there you go. Um, I use the redundant form of it just 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 sort of playing around. But I thought about it. Bless you, Bishop Britton. I thought about that because as a communicator, you do want to always be intentional about using language. <clears throat> be intentional 
about your language use, okay? Because there may be somebody, when you are not trying to be funny, who might find what you said amusing, again, because of redundancy. And so uh, I um, um, thought about the redundancy of bad mistake, the re redundancy of some of those other terms. Um, have any of you ever been guilty? Well, you might not want to, uh, you might not want to self-expose, but have you ever heard anybody else? Okay, we'll put it on on somebody we know. <laughs> Stand to your feet. Okay, all right. Stand to your feet. Exactly, Brother Rocker. That's the thing. That's the thing. If I must make mistakes, Lord, help me to make good ones. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we want to always be meticulous with our language. And if we catch ourselves, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging, okay, I know that was, I know that was redundant. I know that was, I, I didn't have to say it quite that way. I saw this, I saw this tall giant, right? I saw this, I saw this short midget. I've actually heard people refer to hot heat. Uh, maybe cold eyes. <laughs> So, so it's always important. It's always important. It's always important. I'm talking, yes, remember now, I'm talking about one thing. See, some of you are going into some other things. Be careful now. I'm talking about one thing. I'm talking about redundancy. That is when we are redundantly, redundancy means, um, Needlessly repetitive. R redundancy in language, we're being repetitive needlessly. Okay. So um all I'm saying is uh, let's um let's be let's be meticulous. Hot water heater. <laughs> yes, how about that? Whole hot hot water heater. That's good. And 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 that's an example of a redundancy we don't even think about. You know, almost all of us talk about the hot water heater without even thinking about the fact that no, the heater creates hot water. It, it, yeah, needlessly repetitive. So uh, just just think about that, um, and and then <clears throat> project from that. Are there any other things? Are there any other things in my delivery in my communication that might be distracting unintentionally? Is there anything that I say or that I do that is um, distracting, that is, calls people's attention away or detracting, taking away from what it is I'm really after? Okay. All right, just, just a thought. The whole entire pie. That's it, sir. The whole entire, the whole entire pie. That's it. So, so um, just be thoughtful. Thank you for the congratulations on the 30th anniversary. Thank you so much. All right.
let's go to our theme. But I thought that uh, since 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 all of you are leaders and all of you are communicators, that uh, it might be just a little humorous humorous way to remind ourselves to refine ourselves. Is that good? Okay. Uh, the book of Genesis chapter 12. And plus, how about that? Thank you, uh, First Lady Hudges. And plus, and is sufficient. We don't need plus. You know, this plus thing has come into our uh, business discourse through, if it doesn't come any other way, it comes through the news media. How often do they give us some headlines? They say, we're going to talk about uh, this and then we have a report on this. Then they say, plus, I, I, I hear it in the news media all the time. Um, it's interesting how these words creep into and out of popular use. Okay, we'll continue talking about that, particularly if you find it interesting. Genesis chapter 20, uh, 12, chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. Um, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. In the Hebrew, he said, come to yourself. Come to yourself. Literally, I need you to be by yourself. Okay. But also come to yourself prophetically. There is Abram who's going to come to Abraham. He's going to discover himself as God originally ordained him to be. Okay, so there's being the you that God ordained, the you that God purposed from before the foundation of the world. Then there's the coming, that is, as you're being processed, as you are evolving into that individual. And then there's the doing. And the doing, that's our theme, being, becoming, doing. The doing is the fruit of your being. Your doing is the fruit of your being. I believe that in the mind of God, in the will of God, in the system of God, that is the kingdom of God, it is his will that our doing be the fruit of our being. Now, that's very powerful because if that's true, then if I can discover my being, it can help direct me toward what I'm supposed to be doing in life. And then on the other hand, sometimes you can assess what you're doing and your assessing of your doing can actually give you greater clues and cues in terms of <clears throat> who you really be. Sometimes there are people who have been uh, taught that they need to pursue money. They need to pursue income as a goal, as the objective for their lives. Now, money is a very important part of our lives, <clears throat> but money is not our lives. <clears throat> and when our young people choose careers and professions, and when pastors, members of our church are choosing career paths and so forth, we have to be careful to help them to understand that it is not the pursuit of money that is going to bring you fulfillment. It is not the pursuit of money 
that's going to bring you to a place where you feel as if your life has meaning. And I've made this statement before. Existence demands significance. The fact that you exist as a self-conscious creature of God, the fact that you were created by God in his image, after his likeness, through sin, man fell from God's image, but we retain a measure of his likeness. And because of that, we have an innate and instinctive desire for meaning. Our lives should have meaning. Our lives are to count for something. Our lives are to accomplish something. We mentioned that uh a couple sessions ago, uh, and maybe last session as well, that the Bible says the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Yes, Brother Rocker, existence demands significance. Existence demands significance. That is, the fact that I exist, the fact that I exist requires that I find a why for my what. The what is that I exist. The why is significance. And what I'm saying to you is that all of us have an instinct craving. That's one of the reasons why we need relationships so badly. That, that's why we want relationships so badly because, because if I mean nothing to anyone, do I really have value? Do I really have value if nobody values me? Do I really have worth if no one considers me worthy? There's something about a sense of significance. We all need it. We all need to be important to somebody. We need somebody or in some cases, some system that validates us. We have a sense of validation. All right. So one's doing and one's being are related. I gave the illustration earlier. Let me give it to you. That our God, when he reveals himself and reveals his doings, he presents those doings in connection with his being. For example, he revealed to Abraham, Abraham stated it, but God revealed to him his name, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means what? It literally means the Lord will see or the Lord will be seen. But the way that we generally define it is the Lord will provide. All right? Then there is Jehovah Rapha, Exodus 15, 26. Uh, that was Genesis 22. Exodus 15, 26, he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am Jehovah Rapha. Then there's uh, Exodus 17, where uh, Moses calls the place Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, or the Lord, my victory, the warrior. Notice that in Jehovah Jireh, the occasion is called, the name of God is revealed because God there provides. 
Jehovah Rapha, their God heals. Jehovah Nisi, their God gives victory. But notice that God doesn't say, I'm in the seeing, providing, healing, and victory business. He doesn't say that. He is the provision. He is the healing. He is the victory. And his isness is his business. His business is the fruit of his isness. You know, God said, I am. His isness produces his business. He is. Let's go back to Genesis 22. See, uh, it literally says, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see. It, those of you that have a, a, a marginal reference Bible, just look in your margin at Jehovah Jireh or go to your lexicon, go to your concordance um, and, and then there to the lexicon. And you'll find that Jehovah Jireh literally means the Lord will see or in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And some translations or, or, or renderings of the definition say, in this mountain, the Lord shall be seen. And, and, and the importance of that is as follows. Remember going up the mountain with his father Abraham, Isaac asked, where is the lamb? And Abraham replied, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Well, we know those words are prophetic. God will provide himself. Now, the way that we would uh, deal with that grammatically, we're saying God himself will provide, and that's good. But actually, Abraham is prophesying. He may not be conscious of it, but Abraham is prophesying that God is going to provide himself as the sacrifice. And so when he gets to the top of the mountain and he offers Isaac, he doesn't kill Isaac. God never said kill him. He said offer him. Abraham offered him. God said that's sufficient. There, there, there's, there's a ram caught in the thicket by his horns behind him. All of that is prophetic. The ram caught in the thicket behind him is not just an animal that he'll take and that he sacrifices instead of Isaac, although he did. But what it signifies is that Jesus is the ram who will come in history behind Abraham and Isaac. He hasn't come yet. He's behind you. Caught in the thicket by his horns. Horn in scripture is power. Two horns. Jesus has Two natures, divine and human, and his divinity and his humanity coalesced, united in him being our sacrifice. You see that? He was held by his own power. He was not held by constraint. He wasn't held by coercion. His divine nature and his human nature submitted to being the sacrifice. So, and not only that, but Abraham is not on Mount Moriah. He's on one of the mountains of Moriah. The Bible doesn't say he's on Mount Moriah. Now, the temple is built on Mount, Mor Mount Moriah. Okay? But Jesus, uh, excuse me, Abraham is not, it is not stated that he's on Mount Moriah. It says he's on one of the mountains of Moriah. In, in my opinion, 
it is very, it is very likely that Abraham was on the same, oh, by the way, let me tell you this, the mountains of Moriah are ordered in such a way that there is Mount Moriah, but it's a ridge. And one of the mountains in the ridge is a mountain that we know as Golgotha, better known as Calvary, or also known as Calvary. And so it is very possible that the mountain on which Abraham offered Isaac is the same mountain upon which the Father offered the Lord Jesus Christ. In this mountain, the Lord shall be seen, Jehovah Jireh. Okay, but, but here's the thing. God doesn't just do providing. God is provision. Can you see that? God doesn't just do the providing. He is the provision. So when you read that Exodus 15, 26, in light of that, then God doesn't just do healing. He is healing. God doesn't just, Jehovah Nisi, chapter 17 of Exodus, he doesn't just do victory. He is victory. His isness is his business. His business flows out of his isness. So when we talk about your doing flowing out of your being, your doing is the fruit of your being. That's what God intended. I said God intended for my doing to flow out of my being. Therefore, you as a professional should absolutely never present anything that's not excellent. Because whenever you pre present something that's not excellent, you have just made a commentary on your being. I'm going to do excellence because I be excellent by the grace of God, not, my, not by my own goodness, not by, by my own merit. You follow? My doing should be excellent because my being is excellent and my doing attests to my being. Doing is the fruit of being. And so when we begin to talk about uh, careers and career choices, when we begin to talk about um, career paths and all that kind of thing, we don't choose it based on which one appears to be most lucrative. Because you can make any career lucrative if you provide excellence in it. How many of us, how many of us pay to use Google when we do searches and all that kind of thing. How, how many of us pay to use it? None of us. Google is a free service. Yet Google is a multi-billion, even trillion dollar uh, industry. You can make, Google has made giving away information lucrative. And so any career that you produce uh, excellence in you can bring lucre to it. Lucre follows excellence. Profit, money, follows excellent presentation. And so those of you that are educators, for example, oh my goodness, don't let me get in trouble. I'm not trying to get in. Let me just say it. And you can decide whether it's troublesome or not. Those of you who are educators, Just because teachers don't get paid as much as doctors or what have you, 
That is not an excuse. And I'm not saying that you're using it as an excuse, okay? That is not an excuse to do shabby work. That, that's, that's no excuse to uh, not really attend to the children. They're crazy anyway, and they have paid me anyway. No, my doing is the fruit of my being. And so if I don't produce excellent fruit, I'm testifying that I'm a less than excellent tree. So to speak. You follow that? So what about that part about excellence uh, generating that which is lucrative? Absolutely so. If you become an excellent educator, you may not get paid by what you do in that classroom as far as the dollars and cents, but if you really do it excellently, somebody's going to want to know how you do it. There goes your public speaking. There goes your motivational speaking. There goes your book. There goes your curriculum. There goes your syllabus. There goes your training materials, and those things can make you wealthy. The lucrative, the lucre will follow. What I'm saying is, regardless of what they pay, they pay. Your excellence demands, your excellence demands proper remuneration. So, so don't, don't, don't ever allow the pay schedule of the job to determine whether or not you'll be excellent in your work. Because excellence in your work will produce the kind of lucre, not the filthy kind. The Bible talks about filthy lucre, but remember, he wouldn't qualify uh, filthy lucre if they were not clean lucre. You follow that? So, so whatever your area is, don't allow the pay schedule, the pay scale uh, to become an excuse for a lack of excellence because this fruit testifies not of the district. My performance does not testify. My presentation does not testify to my district or my um, pay scale or it testifies to my being. You need to stay with me here because the enemy has deceived some of us into thinking that because someone else decided what our work is worth, that we're going to define our lives and define our performance based on their decision. But I told you just now, using Google as an example. Google provides a free service and in the consequence has become a multi-billion dollar, even trillion dollar industry. Because in the course of providing that free service, there are other avenues by means of which they can command a sizable income because of the fact that this free service brings eyes. This free service brings engagement. If somebody wants to participate in those eyes and those people who are engaging with us, you pay us and we'll put you before our audience and thereby help you generate customers, clients. You understand what I'm saying? But the people who come to us from the front door, 
they're still getting our service essentially for free. But in the process, they are being exposed to what it is you have to sell, that you have to offer. And we don't mind bringing you our audience. After all, our audience gets our benefit for free, but you're going to get our benefit at a cost. And what we accrue from you becomes our fortune. That, that's how they've done it. I'm oversimplifying it, but that's how they've done it. My goodness. So precisely, Brooke Lynn Blue Sky, you become its product in that, in that transaction. And you don't mind because you're using their free service. That's what I mean when I say Something being done, quote, for free becomes extremely lucrative on the other side of the transaction. And, and the point is not to glorify Google or to denigrate Google, but simply to say to you, you don't allow what it is that they pay you on the job to define whether or not you're going to produce that which is excellent. You produce excellence because your doing is the fruit of your being. It's not just the job. It's not just the task. It is your fruit. And Jesus said, who said it? Jesus said, by their fruit, ye shall know them. So if your fruit is tacky, if your fruit is lackluster, if your fruit is poorly structured and organized, Jesus said, that's not just fruit, that's them. Now, somebody says, oh, brother, hold on. I heard you say, <laughs> I heard you say that what I did is not who I am. That's really true. I don't take that back. What you did, in other words, you know, the mistake that I made, the the bad mistake that I made, that, that's, not, um, that's not who you are. In other words, that doesn't define you. That's not your origin. And that's true, number one, because you came out of God. God makes no mistakes. However, remember what fruit is. Fruit is what you produce over time consistently. Fruit is what? What you produce over time consistently. And what you produce over time consistently testifies to who you are. Fruit is what I produce over time consistently. We, we used to have, when I was in Sellers, when I lived in Sellers, when mama was still living, we used to have some of the best plums. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling the truth. You know, the fruit called plum. We used to have some of the best plums in a... In sellers, maybe in the PD. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I'm talking about plums as, as, as large as my, some of you know the size of my hand. But anyway, plums that would fit right here and maybe even larger, some of them. And I'm talking about red for real, a deep red and sweet, even a little purplish at times. But you know what? Every now and then on that tree, there would come a runt plum. 
some little goofy looking, hard looking something. But see, that's not what that tree produced over time consistently. That was somewhat of an anomaly. That was an oddity. That was abnormal. So, so any of us might produce something odd in a moment, might produce something shoddy in a moment. But when we look across the full spectrum and course of what it is that we produce, whatever we produce consistently over time, rem remember, remember the definition of disciple. Remember the definition of a disciple. A disciple is one who is disciplined. Go ahead, my country cousins, Whittington and Gerald, talking about those wonderful plums. Did you, see, did you hear what I said? I said, a disciple is a disciplined one. And what is a discipline then? A discipline is a principle, usually a positive principle, right? A principle that is applied. A discipline is a principle that is applied. Hello, stay with me. A discipline is a principle that is applied with three qualifiers. With three qualifiers. A discipline is a principle. First, a disciple is one who is disciplined. What is a discipline? A discipline is a principle that is applied, number one, correctly. Number two, consistently. And number three, chronically. Say it again. A disciple is one who is disciplined. A discipline is a principle that is applied correctly. Sometimes you hear people say uh, practice makes perfect. Not necessarily. Proper practice makes perfect. If you practice improperly, you're going to become perfectly improper, right? So it's not practice that makes perfect. It's proper practice. In other words, if you're teaching somebody how to dribble and, and, and they decide to come up with their own form for dribbling, maybe with both hands, and they get to the place that they dribble with both hands really, 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 really well and really, 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 really fast. Well, they can perfect that double-handed dribbling, but that's not correct, is it? So practice doesn't make perfect. Proper practice makes perfect. Number one, correctly. Then secondly, consistently. He's got to dribble daily, right? That's right, Dr. Bellinger. He's got to dribble every day. He's got to be consistent, right? He's got to dribble for hours. He's got to dribble not looking at it. He's got to dribble running. He's got to dribble walking, dribble backing up, going to the left, going to the right consistently. Then he has to do it chronically. In other words, even after that, it's not going to materialize in a week or in two weeks. It will take months and even years for him to perfect his dribble technique. He does it correctly, or she does it consistently, and then does it chronically over a period of time, significant period of time. Correct? Is that right? 
So when we're talking about fruit, we're talking about what comes out of you as you apply the disciplines of the kingdom correctly, consistently, and chronically. Whatever comes out fruit, that which comes out of us over time, the scripture says that's how people will know you. They'll be able to identify you. They'll be able to, to assess. My point simply is, my point simply is that my, my doing is the fruit of my being. Put that in the chat. Put that in the comments. Put that in the comments. What I produce over time consistently, that's my fruit. It's it's the it's my doing is the the fruit of my now fruit of my being now um the fruit however the fruit will never have how can i say it well the fruit will never have the full capacity of its source, not, not individually. The fruit will never have, and one of the reasons for that is simply that the source started first. <laughs> but but let, but let me illustrate. Let me illustrate. Jesus said, Jesus said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and what else did he say? And greater works then these shall he do. Greater doings than Jesus? Possible. Greater being than Jesus? Impossible. So your doing will never have the full capacity of your being. You know why? Because you are the source. God is the source, but I'm talking about intermediary. You're the intermediary source of your doing. And for everything that you do, God is always downloading something greater. And you can always take what you've already produced as fruit and revise it and enhance it and enlarge it and expand upon it. So your doing will never have the same level of capacity as your being. Your being will always be greater, yet the, the doing is the fruit, the evidence. Somebody says, uh, what about the illustration you used this morning? Give me a couple minutes and I'll be done. What about the illustration that you used this morning about um, Dr. Miles Monroe's illustration with the apple where Brother Monroe would literally have an apple brought and he cut it open and he would pull out the seeds and he would have the congregation account with him you know, how many seeds and it may, maybe I don't, I don't know how many seeds are typical in an apple, but let's just say 10. I, I, I don't think they're that many, but let's just say 10. And um, he would say, you can count how many seeds there are in this apple. Then he'd take one of the seeds and he would say, but you cannot tell 
how many apples are in the seed. May I say it again? He takes the apple, cuts it open. We count the seeds. He says, how many seeds are in the, the apple? Five, three, seven. All right. Now, take one seed. How many apples are in this seed? Infinite, potentially, right? Because you plant the seed, it becomes over time, over time, it becomes a tree, and the tree, the healthy tree, produces fruit. One of those fruit is an apple, and that apple are seeds. The seeds planted become trees. The trees yield fruit. The fruit are apples. The apples have seeds. And it's an ongoing cycle. Okay? And it's not a linear cycle. It's an exponential cycle. Well, the apple that came before, the apple that gave rise to this seed has been multiplying exponentially before this seed did. So even though this seed is of the same kind as its mother apple, father apple, the mother apple, father apple, because they are previous generations, they've had time to begin to exponentially multiply that this seed doesn't have. And so this seed can ne never have the capacity to accomplish all that the mother and father seeds have accomplished. What I'm saying is your doing will never be in capacity as great as your being. That's why you constantly got to be getting something out. You've constantly got to be producing because your capacity to produce is greater than your product. Your capacity to produce is greater than what the world sees. People get excited. I I've got to close this. People get excited about what they see you accomplish. But I'm talking to kingdom men and women that if the truth be told, what you see that, 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 that they've accomplished doesn't even begin to compare with what they're carrying. What you see that they produced doesn't begin to represent all that they're, that, uh, that they're pregnant with. Are you listening? I'm telling you that your doing does testify to your being, but your doing is trying to keep up with your being because your being is infinitely greater, infinitely your capacity to imagine, your capacity to invent, your capacity to dream, your capacity to invent, to invent and, and, and envision is, is infinitely greater than what you produce. You can't produce it fast enough. Oh, Lord, please put a T on the fast, brother. <laughs> you can't produce it fast enough. Did you hear what I said to you? I'm talking about the fact. I'm talking about the fact that, that every book demands another book. Every song demands another song. In my own experience, Pastor Horn, I can tell you that 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 when when I'm having uh, um, a time where we're supposed to be recording music, when it's time to record music, that's when the new songs begin to come. You know, we 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 decided we're going to uh, record these five songs or these seven songs or what have you. And all of a sudden, while I'm getting ready to rehearse, all these new ones start coming. You know why? Because there's something about your capacity of being that you're doing will never keep up. The, the more you push out, the more there is to push out. And I close with this. I close, Scarborough, that's profoundly stated. I close with this. Some of us have stoppers in our lives, stoppers in our doings. There are things that we are supposed to have done that are blocking the rest of what's in our being. 
Did you hear what I said? Let me say it one more time. There are things that we are supposed to have already done that are serving as stoppers to the rest of what's potentially housed in our being. Get it out. 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 Unless God speaks to you and says otherwise. If, unless God reveals otherwise. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. The books to come are waiting on the book that's already in the pipeline. The songs to come are waiting on the songs that are still on the table. The business to come is waiting on the business that you won't push. Listen, get it out. Get it out. Get it out. You don't hear what I'm saying to you. I'm talking about get the product out. Get the commodity out. Get the business out. Get the song out. Get the book out. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out. Get somebody in the comments. Come on here. Get it out. I'm fitting. I ought. I would. I could. I should. Get it out. What are you carrying that you've been carrying too long? What is it that you're planning? that you've been planning too long? What is it that you've been envisioning that you've been envisioning too long? Get that out because there's some other things in your being that God wants to put on the becoming belt. Get it out. Oh my. All right. All right. Our time has come and gone. Get it out. Did you, you didn't hear what I said, did you? Some of you missed it. I'm telling you, the thing that you've been dreaming about for years, that's good. You need to get that out because there's some other things you haven't even dreamed yet that are waiting in the pipeline of your spirit. But they can't come forth because it's only when you begin to push this that it creates that demand for more to come on up out of your spirit. And if I can help you get it out, <laughs> if I if I can help you get it out, I, I'm willing. You push it, maybe I'll pull it or what have you. And not just me, there are others of us. There are others of us. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let somebody help you and don't demand how they help you. Don't you tell them how to help you. Because sometimes help me, in some people's mind, mean do it for me. No, that, that's, not, that's not God. It may be advice. It may be connecting you to someone who can, can help give a little more insight. All of that's help. Receive it. And then if someone helps you and you know they're in business, be willing to compensate them for their time and for their engagement. Because what you're willing to invest testifies of your honor or lack thereof. I wanted to talk about the Paul Saul situation. Just know this, that when he had an encounter with Jesus, this is my final comment, we've got to go. When he had an encounter with Jesus, his bottom line was, now that I've had this encounter, what would you have me to do?
what would you have me to do? And I'm going to tell you that down in your spirit, there is that voice of yours reaching out to God. I know it is yearning after God, crying after God, saying, God, I want to know you. But once I come to know you, what would you have me to do? Because I know that if my being is properly aligned with you, my doing will reflect it. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals saying thank you, thank you for your time and for your attention. Go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart and let us bring fame to his name. Till we meet again, may the peace of God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.